0: TED Audio Collective. We've been ambitious about getting AI to think like humans. Companies are pouring billions into this field. Research universities are looking to crack the code on it. And we can all think of examples of where those efforts have paid off. Think of Watson on Jeopardy! Or Roombus! Or the mission to create self driving cars. Sometimes it seems like our AI ambitions are bigger than the sky, but what if we should be thinking smaller, like way smaller, like the size of a beetle or a dragonfly? I'm Sherelle Dorsey, and this is TED Tech. Neuroscientist Francis Chance takes us into the world of insect brains to get us closer to decision-making beings with smaller neural circuits that can lead the way to smarter computers. To learn more, visit odo.com slash tedtech. That's O D O O.com slash tedtech. This show is brought to you by Schwab. With Schwab investing themes, it's easy to invest in ideas you believe in, like artificial intelligence, big data, robotic revolution, and more. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy as is or customize the stocks in a theme to fit your goals. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic To dive into how technology and Black spirituality intersect, or confront the challenges new tech is creating, maybe even catch a vision of hope for the future? Check out Moral Repair, a Black exploration of tech. A podcast about the innovations that make our world and break our societies. And how we can all heal just a bit.
1: Available on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Creating intelligence on a computer. This has been the holy grail for artificial intelligence for quite some time. But how do we get there? So we view ourselves as highly intelligent beings. So it's logical to study our own brains, the substrate of our cognition for creating artificial intelligence. Imagine if we could replicate how our own brains work on a computer. But now consider the journey that would be required. The human brain contains 86 billion neurons. Each is constantly communicating with thousands of others, and each has individual characteristics of its own. Capturing the human brain on a computer may simply be too big and too complex a problem to tackle with the technology and the knowledge that we have today. I believe that we can capture a brain on a computer, but we have to start smaller much smaller. These insects have three of the most fascinating brains in the world to me. Think of them as highly trained specialists. African dung beetles are really good at rolling large balls in straight lines. (laughs) Now, if you've ever made a snowman, you know that rolling a large ball is not easy. Now picture trying to make that snowman when the ball of snow is as big as you are, And you're standing on your head. (laughs) Sahara desert ants are navigation specialists. They might have to wander a considerable distance to forage for food, but once they do find sustenance, they know how to calculate the straightest path home. And the dragonfly is a hunting specialist. In the wild, dragonflies capture approximately 95% of the prey they choose to go after. These insects are so good at their specialties that neuroscientists such as myself study them as model systems to understand how animal nervous systems solve particular problems. And in my own research, I study brains to bring these solutions, the best that biology has to offer, to computers. So consider the dragonfly brain, it has only on the order of one million neurons. Now, it's still not easy to unravel a circuit of even one million neurons. But given the choice between trying to tease apart the one million neuron brain versus the 86 billion neuron brain, which would you choose to try first? (laughs) When studying these smaller insect brains, the immediate goal is not human intelligence. We study these brains for what the insects do well. And in the case of the dragonfly, that's interception. So when dragonflies are hunting, they do more than just fly straight at the prey. They fly in such a way that they will intercept it. They aim for where the prey is going to be, much like a soccer player running to intercept a pass. To do this correctly, dragonflies need to perform what is known as a coordinate transformation, going from the eye's frame of reference, or what the dragonfly sees, to the body's frame of reference, or how the dragonfly needs to turn its body to intercept. Coordinate transformations are a basic calculation that animals need to perform to interact with the world. We do them instinctively every time we reach for something. When I reach for an object straight in front of me, my arm takes a very different trajectory than if I turn my head, look at that same object when it is off to one side, and reach for it there. In both cases, my eyes see the same image of that object, but my brain is sending my arm on a very different trajectory based on the position of my neck. And dragonflies are fast. This means they calculate fast. The latency, or the time it takes for a dragonfly to respond once it sees the prey turn, is about 50 milliseconds. This latency is remarkable. For one thing, it's only half the time of a human eye blink. But for another thing, It suggests that dragonflies capture how to intercept in only relatively or surprisingly few computational steps. So, in the brain, a computational step is a single neuron or a layer of neurons working in parallel. It takes a single neuron about 10 milliseconds to add up all its inputs and respond. The 50 millisecond response time means that once the dragonfly sees its prey turn, there's only time for maybe four of these computational steps, or four layers of neurons working in sequence, one after the other, to calculate how the dragonfly needs to turn. In other words, if I want to study how the dragonfly does uh, coordinate transformations, the neural circuit that I need to understand, the neural circuit that I need to study, can have at most four layers of neurons. Each layer may have many neurons, But this is a small neural circuit, small enough that we can identify it and study it with the tools that are available today. And this is what I'm trying to do. I have built a model of what I believe is the neural circuit that calculates how the dragonfly should turn. In the model, dragonflies do coordinate transformations in only one computational step, one layer of neurons. This is something we can test and understand. In a computer simulation, I can predict the activities of individual neurons while the dragonfly is hunting. For example, here I am predicting the action potentials or the spikes that are fired by one of these neurons when the dragonfly sees the prey uh, move. To test the model, my collaborators and I are now comparing these predicted neural responses with responses of neurons recorded in living dragonfly brains. These are ongoing experiments in which we put living dragonflies in virtual reality. It's not practical to put VR goggles on a dragonfly. So instead, we show movies of moving targets to the dragonfly, while an electrode records activity patterns of individual neurons in the brain. If the responses that we record in the brain match those predicted by the model, we will have identified which neurons are responsible for coordinate transformations. The next step will be to understand the specifics of how these neurons work together to do the calculation. But this is how we begin to understand how brains do basic or primitive calculations, calculations that I regard as building blocks for more complex functions, not only for interception, but also for cognition. The way that these neurons compute may be different from anything that exists on a computer today. And the goal of this work is to do more than just write code that replicates the activity patterns of neurons. We aim to build a computer chip that not only does the same things as biological brains, but does them in the same way as biological brains. This could lead to drones, driven by computers the same size as a dragonfly's brain, that capture some targets and avoid others. Personally, I'm hoping for a small army of these to defend my backyard from mosquitoes in the summer. The GPS on your phone could be replaced by a new navigation device based on dung beetles or ants that could guide you to the straight or the easy path home. And what would the power requirements of these devices be like? The human brain is estimated to have the same power requirements as a 20-watt light bulb. Imagine if all brain-inspired computers had the same extremely low power requirements. Your smartphone or your smartwatch probably needs charging every day, Your new brain inspired device might only need charging every few months, or maybe even every few years. The famous physicist Richard Feynman once said, What I cannot create, I do not understand. What I see in insect nervous systems is an opportunity to understand brains through the creation of computers that work as brains do. And creation of these computers will not just be for knowledge, there's potential for real impact on your devices your vehicles, maybe even artificial intelligences. So next time you see an insect, consider that these tiny brains can lead to remarkable computers and think of the potential that they offer us for the future. Thank you.
2: This podcast is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Each episode features insight you won't find anywhere else from the center of the conversation surrounding emerging technologies like AI. Right now on the podcast, you can hear a special episode where Brad Smith lays out Microsoft's vision for a vibrant marketplace driving the new AI economy. To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts.
0: It feels just right when I'm hitting my running trail that's just out behind my house. You now can take your daily run in the better-than-ever Go 16. You can visit brooksrunning.com to learn more. All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening. TED Tech is part of the TED Audio Collective. This episode was produced by Isabel Carter, who also wrote it with me, Sherelle Dorsey. Our editor is Alejandra Salazar, and the show is fact-checked by Julia Diggerson. Special thanks to Farah DeGrange for her support as a project manager. I'm Sherelle Dorsey. Let's keep
2: digging into the future. Join me next
0: week for more.
2: You're growing a business, and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack.
0: Visit odoo.com slash TED Tech. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash TED Tech.